Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason Moore, welcome to the DuoCast. Glad to be back. Man, it's good to talk to you again. We're here to talk about a few things. Pandemic life is one of them. Right. Sounds like we're emerging from the isolation and quarantine ever so slowly. It's about time. Yeah, I think we've got a ways to go before we're back to normal. Maybe we'll never be back to normal, but at least we're starting to see some reopening and um, some signs of hope. Well, I know it's, it's, it's happening because toilet paper is back in the stores. I, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Praise be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. We're still short on supply and certain things. You know, if you go to Costco, you know, you're not going to find everything you need. Right. But at least it's starting to be less crazy, less insane in the stores. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, it's, uh, it's good to connect with you again. We're going to talk about last week's episode with Bob Signs. What did you think of that interview? It's a great interview. Bob is, uh, is a very funny guy. He's a very interesting person to talk to. I actually talked to him. I called him on the phone last week and talked to him. We had a conversation about music and guitars and bands, and he's really kind of into the same stuff I am. Yeah. When it comes to the old 60s bands, the psychedelic stuff and the, you know, Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and things like that. And he's just, the interview was really cool. He's just, his approach to screenwriting is unique, uh, apparently, because other screenwriters have a much different way that he doesn't agree with. Formulaic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a big, big formula guy. Right. Not a big rules guy. Nope. I think that's the San Francisco 1960s culture in him. That's right. That's the kind of the fuck you to uh, society you exactly. know, as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really appreciated his kind of unorthodox and very unique approach to the craft and art of screenwriting. And as I mentioned in the interview, I read his book. And since reading his book and since the interview, I've plugged it online. I have endorsed it. I've told friends about it because I really do think it's one of the best screenwriting books I've ever read, if not the best. What makes it so great, I think, one of the things that makes it so great is, is how accessible it is in terms of how he writes it. Because mm-hmm. when you're reading this book, and whenever I read any book, I'm, I expect a certain amount of formality. And um, he, he kind of dispenses, talk about dispensing with rules. He does the same thing in his book. He dispenses with the formality of how you write a book. So it's, it's, it flows very conversationally as if you're sitting next to him in a restaurant or something like that. And he's like, let me just tell you how it is. Right. Or that's not the way it works, right. which is the title of his book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Bob's a really cool guy. Yeah. I like his uh, honesty. You know, he's, he's brutally honest. If you give him a script, I even talked to him about this on the phone about how he had mentioned somebody giving him a script about scrapbooking oh, and yeah. just how ridiculous that sounded. And he, he said something to the fact that he goes, you wouldn't even believe the amount of scripts I've gotten that are just out there, he said he got a uh, script one time about uh, being an auto mechanic. Oh, yeah? And just named off all these various ones. He said, there's just no way. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no way that it could ever go to film. You know, there's actually a movie called The Mechanic. Oh, yeah? But it's not about turning wrenches. It's, it, it stars Jason Statham, and it's an action thriller. So Okay. Yeah. I, I think the title, The Mechanic, is a little deceiving. So if, if the screenplay is actually about a mechanic, right. 
yeah. who who's in the shop and he's changing oil. Nothing, nothing against mechanics. No. And how interesting that job can be. But in terms of what audiences are looking for, probably prefer like a Jason Statham vehicle as opposed to some indie film about turning wrenches. I could see a comedy about being a mechanic. Oh, yeah. There's, I'm sure there's plenty of that. Well, one thing that uh, we don't ever want to discourage in creatives who might be listening and looking for inspiration and ideas is there are no rules. So just because Bob Sign says, don't write a screenplay about scrapbooking or being a mechanic, doesn't mean you can't do it, that it's impossible. So there's, there's always a way to tell a story that's interesting, I think. Do what, do what comes from your heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it may not sell a million tickets, but it, you, know, you could actually pull it off. Well, I think nude scrapbooking would be more interesting. Well, see, there you go. See? I mean, it just you need to find the angle that works best for that project. So, Jason, what are you paying attention to these days over the last week or two when you're not working and just looking for inspiration and ways to kill time? Well, I started watching with Odessa. I, I got pulled into it a little bit. It's a show on Netflix called Dead to Me. And it's with uh, Christina Applegate and Linda Candelini. Hmm. And just so far, what I've seen is very interesting. It's, uh, there's a murder involved. There's some sex scenes. Just all around good fun going on. You had me at sex scene. Right, exactly. (laughs) There's a murder. um, Christina Applegate's character murders uh, the husband of Linda Candelini and puts him in the freezer. Okay. And so, and it's, and I haven't gotten past like episode one or two right now. So it's kind of building on that and what they're going to do with the body and they go and bury the body and it's just this big story is getting ready to unfold. So right on as far as what I'm listening to, I, when I talked to Bob signs, he says, do you like jazz? I said, yeah. He goes, go check out snarky puppy. Oh yeah. I've heard of snarky. Puppy. And I, yeah. I went in there and dove in and there, that is some of the most interesting improv jazz I've ever, ever heard with synth and horns and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I love it. I love that kind of stuff. Jazz musicians are so intimidating to me because they seem to be operating in a completely different orbit. Oh, yes. And they, the, even their rhythm is different than, like, if you, if you said, all right, Brian, here's a guitar, get up on stage and play with this blues band, mm-hmm. I could probably pull it off mm-hmm. and not look ridiculous. But you say, get on the stage and play with this jazz band. I mean, I don't even know if I could play rhythm guitar with a jazz band. They're, the syncopated beats that you hear and the, the different keys that they jump through and the improvisation, it's next level. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I think of jazz, I think of people reading sheet music because I don't, I don't quite understand sometimes how, how they pull off the odd time signature stuff without having to have that in front of them. But it's all muscle memory and it's all practice and it's all rehearsing and and eventually it kind of congeals together and it comes out beautifully. But I myself, I don't think I could even do a jazz band. Maybe a little bit, but it's kind of, it kind of scares me, actually. Some of the greatest drummers out there are jazz drummers. Yeah. Some of the greatest guitarists are jazz guitarists. Well, for instance, uh, Miley's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Miley's actually got, I think, her degree in jazz. That's right. Over in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. So once you have that foundation of jazz, mm-hmm. I think you can do anything. I think so too. Yeah. And I don't think it works in reverse. I don't think you can say, all right, I know how to play blues so I can do anything. No. There's, there's a foundation of um, music theory that you have with jazz that you just don't get anywhere else. I agree. Yeah. 
What have you been listening to? Um, or well, watching or. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I started listening to Chris Staples again. Hmm. Uh, he's kind of an indie folk guy. You can find him on YouTube and, and Instagram, but he's, he's got a very mellow vibe and it's kind of, um, cerebral folk music, I think. Yeah. I think you showed me some. It's, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard to describe, but I, I really like his style. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Death Cab for Cutie. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, but it's definitely indie in the, the, the look of his music videos and also just the sound. It's pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm kind of going old school with Mike Watt. I don't know if you've ever listened to Mike Watt at all, but he's a bass player. Hmm. Uh, who I saw him in Bellingham in the early 90s in front of a crowd of maybe 20, 30 people. Nice. And he's, uh, he's just hard rocking, high energy, really funny. It's kind of like a Jack Black type of character on stage. <laughs> you know, really a lot of charisma, really entertaining. Um, so I've been listening to him. Watching Barry on HBO. It's a Bill Hader comedy about an assassin who wants to become an actor. Okay. Um, <laughs> watching Billions on Showtime, finished up Homeland on Showtime, great series, watched the series finale with Claire Danes. And in, in terms of books, I'm reading a book because I've got an interview coming up with a voice actor named Rob Paulson. Hmm. And so uh, I'm reading this book he wrote called Voice Lessons. I always try to do research like this when I interview my guests and uh, try to take a look at their body of work and read what they've written and listen to what they've recorded. Really, it's profound, kind of compelling story he has to tell. He did a lot of Tiny Toons work, and he was the voice of Raphael on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for years, from 86 to 95. Oh, okay. He was the voice, or one of the voices on Animaniacs, really popular. <laughs> I like that one. Cartoon series. That, yeah, that was a good series. Yeah, he's, been, he's done a ton of stuff, but with voice actors, they're always, by definition, they're behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. So you, do, you don't really know who they are if you're you see him on the street, but his, uh, his story is, is compelling because he takes you through this journey of not having the most supportive parents in terms of what he wanted to do creatively. Mm. Uh, and then also the struggles of moving to Los Angeles and becoming, you know, or, or tuning yourself into that industry, the entertainment industry and networking and becoming connected and then ultimately getting work in Los Angeles. I, I know I'm not going to spoil the interview for you because a lot of this will come out in the interview, but um, he eventually gets cancer and uh, has this harrowing story to tell about his treatment and how he got through that. But it's, it's really a great book. So I'm glad that I got that interview booked and I'll be ready next week to record it. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And in terms of other entertainment I have going on in the house, as you know, Jason, I have a new amplifier. Oh, yes. Yes, yes the yes, Spark yes. Positive Grid Amplifier. That's a smart amp. Yeah, and I'm not being paid by Positive Grid or Spark to plug this product. I am. No. <laughs> hey, you didn't, you're holding out on me, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some side hustle. All right. Uh, but I, I got this thing as a gift from my wife, and it's just, I haven't really learned everything it could do yet, but from what I've seen so far, it's a game changer. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know you've seen some YouTube videos on how it works. I've watched about 10, 12 of them and just, just because, and they're all the same really, but the magnitude of what this thing can do, like you said, is a game changer. It's 
I mean, I know what amp modeling is. I've had an amp modeling pedal for probably 10 years, but this is something totally different that you can download an app and pick out amplifiers and pedals on your phone. Yeah. Link it with Bluetooth on your amp. Right. And sound like God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I looked at the tutorial as well, a couple of them, and I'm like, no, for this price, no, it's not going to do that. And so I downloaded the app and I plugged in and all of a sudden I start playing just a rhythm and a little, you know, three chord progression or something. And I hit a button and it automatically lays down bass and drums to sync up with whatever you're playing. See, that's, that is a game changer because that is basically a songwriting app. Yeah. It can help you write a song. Right. Yeah. And, and you can practice. Also, you can play along with various pre-recorded background tracks. Yes. So you've got these bass and guitar tracks and then they show you what chords to play and when to do the change ups. And for someone like me, who's not a professional musician, but wants to get better, I cannot think of a better device, like a more advanced piece of technology to help you become the musician you want to become. Exactly. Yeah. And I would think even if you are a professional musician, this is a tool that can help you not only get better, but help you with your songwriting and help you with your playing. Yeah. I've seen videos of guys that play and it just inspires them to play differently Mm -hmm. because it's so cool. So I know I'm like a kid. I'm actually looking at it right now and I'm just, I feel like a kid at Christmas. It's like, (laughs) I just want to go over and play it. (laughs) Well, let's get through this, man. So we can start playing. So what do we have coming up next? Uh, An interview with Sheila Andrine. Sheila. Yeah, that was a fun interview. Sheila Andrine is a filmmaker she is the CEO of a company called IndieFlix out of Seattle. Yeah, okay. And she started this company to create a platform for indie films to have a streaming service, basically. And uh, I'm not going to spoil the interview. She talks about the journey that she was on when she started IndieFlix and how it kind of transformed into a different vision over time and you know, to what it is today. But she's been in the industry a long time. She was in Los Angeles for like 25 years before she moved back to Seattle. And uh, she's got quite a story to tell. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice lady too. And actually, she was friends with Lynn Shelton, who just passed away tragically. Hmm. Uh, Lynn Shelton was an indie filmmaker and television director out of Seattle. And she just, she was 54 years old. And just out of the blue, she got a sore throat. Nobody knew what it was. They thought at first it was COVID, tested her for COVID, came back negative. Then they thought, well, maybe it's strep. And then she collapsed in Mark Marin's house. They were dating and living together. Oh, yeah. 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 She collapsed. Mark tried to help her and called 911 and uh, sent her away in the ambulance and never saw her again alive. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but but Sheila, this is a digression, but Sheila was friends with Lynn. So they were part of the same filmmaking community in Seattle and had known each other for years. So my condolences to Sheila for um, her loss and, you know, for the film community's loss. It was a big loss. She was such a giant in indie films and in television directing. One of the last films I saw that was directed by Lynn Shelton was Sword of Trust. And if you get a chance to see that, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's a comedy. It's hilarious. But it's, a, it's kind of an improv comedy. And you, you wouldn't know it watching it that a lot of it is improv. Mm. But they had an outline that they worked with. 
there was some rehearsal, I think, beforehand, but a lot of the, the funniest lines in the movie were improv. Anyway, I saw that at the Seattle International Film Festival last year with my daughter, Whitney, and Lynn was there. Mark Marin was there. There, there were other actors on the panel for the Q&A afterwards. Lynn was vibrant and funny and humble, and we just would never know that her time was limited. Yeah, I think that's the way it goes for a lot of us. We just never know, you know? You don't. So live life to the fullest. Live it, you know, like it's going to end tomorrow. That's right. the way I feel. Right. Well, speaking of living life to the fullest, you want to play that amp? <laughs> you know I do, man. All right, brother. It's good talking to you. Good talking to you. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. Thank you.